This is The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. On this show, we're going to speak to the independent creators who make the games that you and I love. I'm your host and the DM of Sounds Like Adventure, Jack Trainer. Hey, it's episode nine of The Table Business. It's me, your host, Jack. How you doing? Thanks for joining us, and I'm so glad you have because it's a great one for you today. So today, I'm joined by M. Allen Hall, or as he prefers, just Allen. So Allen is an author, he's a TTRPG writer, and he's published some really amazing works. In today's episode, you'll hear all about his all-ages TTRPG system, Sprinkles is Missing, and you'll also hear how Alan made the jump from being an author who was writing novels to a writer who was creating material for TTRPG games. And now we recorded this chat back in January and you'll hear us talk about a Kickstarter campaign that Alan has coming up. But this campaign is actually happening right now and it's only running till the 6th of February. So when you hear all about Alan's Kickstarter for this amazing solo RPG called Godsworn, if it's something you're interested in, act now because you don't have much time left. All right, with all that in mind, let's get into it. Alan. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me on, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here. So to start things out, you are a TTRPG writer. You've released some really cool stuff, but I want to dive deep on all that stuff as we go into the conversation. But just to start, just in a few sentences, who are you? Tell us, tell us about yourself. Um, M. Allen Hall is my professional name. Uh, I'm Allen. Uh, I, uh, I'm a writer. So I have written all sorts of things. Uh, I've written for work. I've written... Uh, scientific articles is how I started writing. Um, and then getting my first step towards this was writing some novels. Uh, but I moved from that quickly to writing games, which has been a blast. And I've been doing this now for, I don't know, about three years. So not a very long time. Um, I only discovered RPGs in general about five years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's, been, it's been a blast. I want to talk a little bit about your origin story when it comes to the tabletop world you mentioned sort of discovering it like five years ago so take me back how did you sort of find yourself uh checking out ttrpgs um so somebody at work was two people at work were talking about i don't remember everything but it was D. um they they were having a conversation i happened to be sitting close by and i was like what are you guys talking about and they said it's D. &D." You would like it. You should play. I was like, all right, sure. Let's try that out. Um, and so we actually played a game with some people from work for, you know, we got, you know, it went right up into the pandemic. So we were, it was in person, obviously, because it was pre-pandemic at that point. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, the game fell apart. And I was like, that was a lot of fun. I want to keep doing stuff like that. Um, and that's, you know, I started doing stuff at, at home with my kids, playing D&D. Uh, and the more I talk to people. And at that point I was publishing the books. Um, and I was talking to people trying to like get word about the books out there, but, and they were D and D adjacent stories. Um, it's their you know, high fantasy stories. So uh, with that, I started finding people that wrote other kinds of games and I was like, Oh, these are, these are cool too. Like this isn't D and D, but this is, this is a lot of fun. And they were small. So I was like, I could probably do something like that. So, uh, I started, I started actually, I think the first thing I wrote for a game was a Mork Borg module. So I found Mork Borg and I'm like, this is awesome. And I saw people are just putting stuff out all the time. Like, hey, I wrote that. And I thought, 
I could do that too. So, um, you know, I drew up a dungeon and I wrote, wrote some, uh, stuff for the rooms and that was, uh, October, 2021. That was like the first, uh, role-playing game content that I put out there. And then, uh, by the end of 2021, I wrote a, a full game based on another, uh, based on the Wretched and Alone SRD. Talk to me about how it felt after you put out that first piece, because obviously, as you've said, it's like you've spiraled from there in some ways. It seems like a positive spiral and in, in, into, as opposed to some other types of spirals we hear about. What happened, I guess? Like, did you, did you just feel it all unfold in front of you and just like, oh, I should just keep following this? Yeah, it was, um, it was almost entirely because the Morkborg scene is so accepting, is so enthusiastic. Um, and so it was, you know, I wasn't going to charge money for it. I was like, I'm not an artist. I don't do this. I just, I drew some squares on a piece of paper. And then I wrote up some stuff that was in these rooms, um, wrote some stats for a monster. It was like, I just put it on itch and I said, Hey, people, Hey, maybe you can read it. And like the next day, somebody posted that they had played it with their somebody I didn't know, which is the important part. Because when you're writing novels, you get a lot of reviews from people you know, because those are the people that actually will listen to you and you ask them to read the book. But for this, it was like somebody completely out of the blue was like, oh, I played this from my, with my uh, friends last night. It was awesome. And I was like, that's amazing. And I just put it up there. Like, I guess I did pay what you want. And like somebody gave me $2 for this game. I was like, oh my God, somebody gave me money for something that they didn't have to. Like that just blew my mind. And so from that, I was like, People here are really cool. Like this is really fun. So uh, I, that was that was sort of that little hit of dopamine from like, oh, people like do like will we'll actually read this thing and like it. I want to keep doing that. And so that's where I started. So I think a lot of people listening to this show probably come from a little bit more of like a traditional D and D space. This is sort of them first sort of dipping their toe into the independent TTRPG world. So for those folks, what is Morkborg? Oh, so Morkborg is, it is a full TTRPG system. So it's not some tiny like one page thing or a solo thing. It's a, uh, it's a role-playing game. It's, it is rules light. So the rule book is, you know, a, a third the size of a, one of, one of those D and D books. Uh, but, uh, it's a full game system and it's got a particular flavor. Uh, it, it calls itself a, uh, a spiked flail to the face. So it's uh, written by uh, a couple of Swedish guys, and it's got the art is very uh, over the top, uh, tongue in cheek, uh, grim dark, uh, all these sorts of things. Words will be uh, applied to it, so it's meant to be uh, everything is terrible and you're horrible and everybody's gonna die. But it's to the point that it's kind of funny, and you kind of, everybody comes into a session being like, "How am I gonna die today?" And that's sort of uh, the fun of it. Let's talk a little bit um, about some of the things that you've released. So one of your most recent releases is an all-ages TTRPG called Sprinkles is Missing. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Absolutely. Um, so this is a, it is a game. You are elementary school students at a magical elementary school, and your school's mascot, Sprinkles the Unicorn, has gone missing in the enchanted forest next to your town. And you are going to be going into the forest and trying to find him. So this is uh, my essentially my first full big RPG. So I had written plenty of one-page things um, and a dozen-page zines, but this is like a full seventy-page book. Um, and it's uh, it is meant to be accessible to all ages. And what I really mean I, I've played with kids down to about six years old, and they all can get into it. And it's all about being creative. It's all about problem solving. The game is laid out as uh, essentially a point crawl. So 
you go to different, you, they're called scenes in the, in the game and you have scenes in the forest. And so the principal, who is the GM for the game, will present the scenes to the players and there's always a problem that needs to be solved, maybe with an NPC or some sort of environmental hazard or a monster. Um, and the students, the students or the players, uh, these students have to solve the problem and they have magic to, do, to help them. They have items to help them, but everything is very, uh, short on the descriptions to make it as you can do, be as creative as you want, uh, to try and solve these problems that are presented to you. Um, so when I, you know, when I pitch it, I always say it's like from six to about 12, they're going to love this game. Adults actually really love this game. Teenagers, I make no promises about what teenagers are going to like. So while I can definitely imagine like a 16-year-old being able to play this game, like I can't, I can't tell anybody that their teenager is going to want to play. But yeah, as far as like adults playing, we, uh, we ran the game at PAX Unplugged. Uh, we had a demo table down there and like we had this, this one session that was just five like tatted up biker looking guys like played D&D in the 70s playing students in the force. They were just having a blast. So yeah, so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's fun. It's about just having a good time and the game is meant designed to be able to be played essentially as a one shot uh, you can play for an hour hour and a half and the next time you play again you just make new characters and start over um it's every it's always a happy ending nobody dies it's just about having fun so when you think about um sprinkles is missing what's the thing that stands out most in your mind what do you think is the coolest aspect probably just how uh how creative it gets people being it's when you have, you know, the, the magic spells are all themed after uh, the classes. You pick your favorite class, which is like you pick gym class as your favorite class or math is your favorite class. And that's your class for your character. And the spells are all, you know, one of the uh, one of the art spells is called frame the shot. And you hold your fingers and your thumb up and you, whatever is between your in the little window that you make can't leave. So you've got them trapped there as long as you keep your hands up. And you, I make the players at the table keep their hands up. For, and as they ever put their hands down, it's like, oh, you, the spell's over. And so, you know, in just hearing what people can do with that, it may be some, I, I had like a, a, a nine-year-old say, oh, I trapped the, the monster in there and I'm just going to like whip my hands towards the sky and then let go. And they just, I'm like, yeah, he definitely flies away. He's gone. Like, you got it. <laughs> it's just, you know, people just come up with things that I could never have thought of, uh, which is a lot of fun, especially for me running the game. So I've seen on threads recently as well that you've been sharing a few responses that you've received um, around the system, around the game from people who have played. When you see those, how does that make you feel as the as the creator when you see people playing your system? It's absolutely awesome. So just like that, like I said, I was talking about that first module, that first day when somebody said, hey, we played this thing and we liked it. Like that is just the the biggest high. And so when I see people playing the game and you know, telling me, oh, we, we get, we were in this scene with the, with like the pixie under the bridge and we did this, or we had that problem. We did this. And I'm like, that's great. Like I, I never, I, when I wrote that scene, I didn't think that that's something anybody would ever do. Like everybody wants to catch the pixie that lives under the bridge. I would, I was like, yeah, talk to her, bargain with her, try to bribe her, something like that. That every, anybody that's got a jar with a lid, which is one of the items, pixie's going in the jar. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're going to do with that later, but sure. You can, you can try to catch her. Um, great. So you also have a Kickstarter campaign coming up quite soon. Tell us a little bit about that. So this is, uh, switching the gears a little bit on the overall theme. Uh, so this is going to be a solo game. Uh, it is, it sort of plays along that border between role-playing games and board games. Uh, it's, you know, 
you could do this without any of the role-playing idea in your head if you just look at the mechanics and say, all right, I've got this piece, I'm going to move it across the board and try to do this thing. So in that game, you're going to be playing a reborn saint. Uh, you are a saint and you wake up and you are in a vast wasteland. And next to you is the body of your god. And so you have been given a little bit of energy from your god as your god died. And now that energy is fading. And so the game is very much about resource uh, management and exploration. So you need to explore first the body of your own dead god, which sort of plays as a like the intro level of a game where you're like collecting resources, but not really anything bad can happen. So you're gonna you gotta look through your own god to get resources before you venture out across this wasteland to uh, other dead gods that are falling from the sky uh, to try and collect more energy. And so it's very much a game that you can get into the role playing of that, uh, but you're also it's very much about winning and losing. You'll, you'll be fighting angels, which are the monsters of the game that are each god spawns these angels that you may have to deal with in them um, as you're exploring, looking for the god sparks, which is the energy that you need. Uh, and the battles are very, usually short, uh, very dangerous. You, you can't be walking around unprepared. Uh, you, and everything comes from god sparks. So you'll collect god sparks as you explore, and then you'll use them to create the weapons that you'll use, the armor that you'll use. You'll use them to give yourself more hit points, essentially. Um, and then it's the idea is you need to be saving those god sparks up because the way you win the game is by performing a miracle, which is the magic of the game. Uh, performing a miracle that requires you essentially to max out the uh, all your storage slots. So you have to save up enough to max out your storage slots to be able to cast that final miracle and win the game but you also have to be using those that energy to make sure you have a weapon so you don't get killed to make sure you have hit points because they are always every round you're losing hit points and so it's sort of it's definitely resource management is exploration and it's uh you know it's 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 i mean I, it's fun game the, the idea of the game is it plays in about 30 to 45 minutes once you know the rules and the flow uh, but the really is one where you lose and you immediately want to set it up again because you're like, oh, I could have done this different. I should have done that and that part. And like, you just want to try it again to try to get a win. So talk to me a little bit about the solo RPG experience because I, I feel like a lot of people listening probably have never given a solo RPG a go. I've never tried one. So like conceptually, what's this look like when somebody's playing this game by themselves? Sure. So this is... Um, so like I said, it's sort of almost a board game. So you've got a play sheet. So imagine your character sheet. And so in the Kickstarter, it's going to come as a separate printed piece of paper that will, it'll be, it's a little bit smaller than the, the trim of the book. So it'll fit right there inside the book. You, you'll get a couple of them with when you buy the game. And on the sheet, you've got all the things for your stats. You've got your inventory. That's half the sheet. And the other sheet is the map that you're using and the, the essentially the round tracker, which keeps track of time because there is a time limit on the game. And you're going to have that in front of you. You're going to have a deck of cards, which is how you generate what's happening inside each god as you explore. Uh, you've got your book, which has got the tables that you're going to need to reference as you pull those cards. Um, and then you've got a pile of dice. And for this, you need uh, probably at most eight D6s. Um, and then, a, you know, pencil eraser, maybe an extra piece of paper to take some notes as you're going along. But that's it. So you set up all in front of you. And you're going to be so you might be just like you might play a video game or you sit down, you got a remote in your, in your lap and you're watching the TV. This is just you're sitting at a table or a desk and uh, you've got your supplies in front of you and you're going to be rolling dice and telling a story. Um, now, this is like I said, this plays along the borderline with uh, a board game because there's winning and losing and a map where you're moving around. Solo RPGs is a very wide 
uh, genre. There's lots to it. So I've written another game that's probably in the same genre as this one, Sneaky Witches, which is a, a pamphlet game. So again, it's got a little map that you're going to move around. There's some rules. You roll some dice. Um, there's winning and losing. And then there's uh, a sort of at the other end of the uh, gamified spectrum or journaling games. So that's one where you're literally just writing a story and the game is giving you prompts and then you're using those prompts to think about what's my character doing? How's my character respond to this terrible thing that just happened? And they're usually terrible things that are happening in journaling games, at least in the ones I write. Um, there's no happy endings in the journaling games. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's like I said, it's it's your role by your it's just one player. You're telling a story. You're taking on the role of a character, which is what qualifies it as a role playing game. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just about setting up, sitting at a table and playing a game, just like you might play a solo board game or even a video game. It's all. So I guess, and I think the the bit where I always find myself just like a little bit still like confused, I guess, as someone who comes at from more of like a traditional RPG space. It's like when we say tell the story, it's like, you know, D&D, Pathfinder, we tell the story by talking amongst one another. How, how are you telling the story in, in the solo RPG in this sense? Sure. So uh, you're telling it to yourself at the very least, um, or you're telling it to an audience if you're streaming or put it, uh, posting stuff on a blog or something like that. Um, and so for the journaling games, it's that's, that's obvious, right? Like I'm going to write a journal. And the idea is, you, you are physically writing something, you're typing something, you're recording uh, in voice memos on your phone, uh, you're telling the story, in, but you're just, you are, you're right, you're telling it to yourself. Um, in the games like, uh, like Godspark, um, the ones that are more board gamey, sort of the print and play uh, border, it's like the, the role playing game part is just to get you into why you're doing the game right? The, the role-playing game for sneaky witches is, oh, I'm a witch and that's why I'm moving around in the swamp and that's why I'm collecting these components. But once, you know, once you get that in your head, it's not like you're coming back and actually saying, this is what I said here. This is what I did here. This is who I interacted with. Um, it's, and, and everybody plays, everybody plays games differently, right? Like when I play a, a, a journaling game, I don't actually tend to write because I don't, it takes a lot of time and I don't usually get a lot of time. I got three kids to uh, sit and, and write the story like that. So when I play a journaling game, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the mechanics to generate the prompts and the way the game is designed. And then I'll just, in my head, play out what happened at that point. Um, it doesn't, I don't need a physical record of it uh, enough. N- me knowing that I played the story is enough for me. So if there's someone out there, they've, they've had their, their interest peaked by what you've described just now, um, and they're considering backing uh, Godspark when in the campaign is happening, um, but they're still on the fence a little bit, what, what kind of nudge would you give them to, to bring them over to your side of the fence and, and back, the, back the campaign when it happens? What I like about Godspark is it is, like I said, it's one of those games that keeps you coming back. Um, you're not going to win it the first time. You're going to mess things up. You're going to leave one god too early not with that you're gonna be unprepared when you get to that first battle and you're gonna get smacked and you're gonna be you're gonna finish it and you're just be like i gotta do this again like i gotta play this again and that's the response i've gotten from my play testers like i had one guy that played it like seven times in a row and it's like i didn't ask him to do that i'm like hey just just play through it once or even just read it and like <laughs> let me know what you think he's like i played it seven times in a row and like i had to beat it and that's what i was that's what i was going for and i'm glad i i hit it with somebody um, but that's the thing. It's like, it's going to, it's going to have you coming back and there are difficulty levels. I mean, you're going to start on easy and it's not easy. And that's the, to me, that's fun. Not, you know, everybody's fun is different. And I say this, I say that when, when I'm at conventions and I'm describing any game that I've made, any product I've made, it's not for everybody. Nothing is for everybody. 
So if I've got a journaling game and I'm pitching to somebody and they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? It's not for everybody. I put that down. It's like, how about this thing over here? Um, but if you, if you like, you know, a little bit of a challenge, if you want to be pushed, uh, that's, that's what the game is for. All right. So I like to always end these conversations with a couple of recurring questions. So question one, what's one thing that people don't realize about independent tabletop creators like yourself? One thing people don't realize is just how much work goes into certain parts of game production and that the majority of people like me are doing it all ourselves. Uh, what I mean is I can have, I have games written. I have games that have been written, like all the words for the game, you know, essentially are there on, on a, in a file on my computer for months, but getting, turning that into something that I can actually give to you to play is a huge process. Um, something that I didn't even realize, even when I was writing novels, because the layout of a novel is so, it's it's the same every time. You've got a number for your chapter and then you've got just the words in a one single column for the rest of the pages. Um, that was, I, so I written all these novels and was like, okay, sure, that's fine. Layout, whatever, you just put the words on the page. But that's so important and that's such a huge step and it's so much work. And those sort of things, it's like, that part, it's like, yeah, I wrote the game. It's like, oh, when can I play? It's like in maybe six months. I don't know. Uh, it's I got a lot of work still up. It's like, but you wrote the game. And so that's what I think. It's like there are so many steps in the process that people don't appreciate. Oh, yeah, that's a huge step. Like getting a cover art is a huge step. If if you can't do that yourself, like that's a that's a process. Second question. Your first ever character in a tabletop game. Tell me about them. Oh, uh, so I only got in a few years ago and I, uh, coming from video games and, uh, other sorts of games where it was very much like you got to win. Uh, I was definitely, I, I don't know, I didn't min max like by the literal definition of that, but I was very much like, Oh, I need like this one because that works with that. And so I was the dragonborn paladin because I was reading through, I was like, Oh, this guy's got the, the stats that match with this class. Like they clearly go together. And now looking back, I was like, yeah, that's just like a super basic uh, character you made there. There's there's no story there. Um, but no, but that's what it was. This is sort of like I read through the 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 D and D five E like the player's guide and I was like, oh yeah, this this is super, this is gonna be like awesome. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna play. And I got totally smoked by the goblins in the first scene of uh Lost Mind of Endeavor. <laughs> Did the character have any story, anything going on? Yeah, oh, he did have a story. Um, he was, uh, he his, his backstory is he worked at a temple uh, and uh, his temple got attacked and he was a coward and he hid in the closet while like the temple got totally ransacked and the person that he worked, you know, the head of the temple, the head priest or whatever, uh, got killed and then sort of like uh, he left town after that because he just like ran away. Cause he was totally, he realized that he like was supposed to have like protected the temple. And he's like, Oh, I could, yeah, I just hid in the closet. Um, and then, so the, the rest of the story was him, uh, which we never actually got to obviously, but, uh, the idea was he would eventually be on some sort of a vengeance quest, um, something like that. But for right now, for, you know, as far as we got like level three, uh, it was just, uh, he was a coward in, uh, and he ran away from home and that's how he ended up uh, as an adventurer. It's not bad. It's not bad. For so maybe a little twist on the classic uh, paladin story, but not too much. <laughs> not too much, but enough. Flawed hero. I <laughs> like it. Um, 
And then final question. Um, when you look back at your time spent around the table over the years playing games, do you have a favorite story, a favorite memory? Honestly, the, the story I tell the most is, is, is Sprinkles' is missing story. Um, and it's, uh, we were playing and there was this one, uh, this one guy at the table and he was just, he was just trying to do everything the silliest way possible. And, um, so he said, Hey, you didn't say I couldn't, uh, be a blob for my character. I was like, well, the idea is you're all just kids. It's like, well, I want to be a blob. I'm like, are you a blob now? Um, and so he, and he got, and he happened to pull the sticky hand toy, which is one of the items you can get in the game. He's like, can I attach this to myself? So I have an arm now. I was like, great, you've got an arm now. And then he ended up using that sticky hand to like uh, rescue somebody who was falling off a cliff or something. And he's like, glad I found the sticky hand toy. And so just the idea that he just took something that I, like I said, that I meant to be very much, oh, you're just real people. There's no like crazy, like other characters. This isn't Starfinder. This is just like, oh, you're just people. And he just went completely the other way with it. And it's just like, sure, let's do it. Let's play that. That's the game you want to play? We can do that, which is what I love about role-playing games. Is uh, you know, there's there's no police that are going to come in and tell us you're playing it wrong, or there shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> and he's just uh, you know, we're just like, yeah, that's the game you want to play. Let's play that. Play it that way. That'll be fun. Alan, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, if anyone's interested in finding out more um, from you, where can they where can they find your stuff? My website is www.mallenhall all straight through. No uh, char- special characters or anything like that. Dot uh, com. Um, it's got everything I've got. I've got a uh, Substack that's going to be releasing tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to start doing a newsletter, which is something I've been told to do for years. Uh, finally start getting on that train. Um, and then uh, on the social media, I'm usually M underscore Allen underscore Hall. So Twitter, threads, those Instagram, those sort of things. Um, but the website's the best place to find the active links to wherever it is that I happen to be posting or writing at that time. Wonderful. This will be releasing a little bit later than uh, when we're recording. So that newsletter will be well and truly out by that stage. So there'll be a link in the show notes where people can go to, to find all of that information. Alan, thanks again for joining us on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. You've been listening to The Table Business a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. If you'd like to know more about anything we spoke about today, all the links for all the people that we spoke to are available in the show notes. Or head over to soundslike underscore pod on Instagram and we'll definitely be talking about them there. And if you liked what you heard, why not check out Sounds Like Adventure? That's our main show. It's an actual play podcast with fun role play, short run times and great sound design. But to make sure you don't miss the next episode of The Table Business, make sure you subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And a five-star review really, really helps to get a few more people to see the show. And we hear it sounds like adventure. We would be so grateful if you took the time to do that. All right. With all that in mind, we'll catch you for the next episode of The Table Business.